Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. The story of the three magi. Uh, Instead, we actually add the word three to the story. Uh, The story doesn't let us know that there's three. This is probably a really familiar story, whether you've heard this in church before, because uh, it's the Christmas story is told in many, many ways. Has, have, have we heard this story before? Is this one that's familiar to you? Oh, good. Um, we're probably going to disrupt some of that this morning, <laughs> as it was disrupted for me. Uh, one of the things that I am just so grateful for is y'all's support. Because joining this church five years ago, I never expected to be standing right here. And I also never expected to be standing right here being installed under Pastor Eric. That was never a a title or a word that I thought would precede my name. And yet, at the same time, I need to offer an apology because there is somebody not standing up there with me, my wife. Nick asked me, do you want Missy to come down and stand next to you as you go through? And I go, oh, no, 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 she wouldn't want to do that. Later, she goes, I wonder why Nick never asked me to come down. <laughs> yeah, Nick, <laughs> what happened there, buddy? <laughs> oh, first mistake, day one. <laughs> I want to acknowledge this because it takes a, an entire family, it, you know, my family to make this happen, an entire family to make this church happen because we are a church family, big C church. It is not just one person, and here I'm accidentally making it one person. <laughs> But there's grace. Turns out there's grace. <laughs> so here, here is the full family. Um, one of the things that was uh, really helpful was understanding the, the, the pattern that we're going through this Advent series of looking at Mary, Joseph, and then today the Magi. We started with Mary, and, one, and that was our week of worship fully. And we get to see that when the angel comes to her, she says, Oh my goodness, me, a lowly servant girl, I cannot believe that you're choosing me to work through. Yes, I am here. Especially in the face of somebody else, Zechariah, who an angel visited, and he said, what? Mary is the one who's saying, yes, Lord, I am your servant. Worship fully. Week two was Joseph, spend less. That here is a man who is is fueled by deep, conviction, following the rules, the law, this is what it says, maybe you know somebody like this, and at the same time, deeply compassionate. And when the angel says to him, stick with Mary, even though it looks like she's breaking the rules, it's actually of God. And he says, I do not care what it costs me, I will be part of your plan. Spend less. I do not care what it costs. I am joining you, God. And then today, the Magi, and this is something that we are all very familiar with, whether you know what these elements are or not, gold, frankincense, and... Do you know what it is? No one knows what it is, really. (laughs) We all know that these are gifts, and so this is very fitting to talk about the Magi under our uh, theme today of give more. The Magi are people who are coming from a distant land. They are pagans. 
they are the, this is chapter two of Matthew. This is the beginning of Matthew. And he is describing people who are not Jewish are the first to come to see a Jewish king. God is saying to us in this moment, it does not matter who you are. I am drawing you to me. So then when we look at this idea of, of give more, I am going to invite you into giving. And I, I cannot convince you or, or coerce you, persuade you. I'm just not smart enough to do that. Instead, I am inviting you. And this is an invitation not to your bank account, but to your heart. What I want us to see here is that it's going to be challenging because I am walking into this challenged. I have this desire to get a really nice TV. This is like the beginning of Advent. We set up our basement. It looks really cool now. And there's a spot in the corner that, and, and like on one wall that's like built for a TV. And I'm like, yeah, Black Friday, I'm going to go get me a TV. And then we start this, and it's like, spend less and give more. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Am I allowed to get a TV? <laughs> Can I have a TV? When is it okay for me to buy a TV? And I was like, well, I just won't buy it over Christmas. I'm just going to wait till June to buy the TV. And then it's biblical. <laughs> this has been really challenging for me because it's, it's pointing at me, spending less and giving more, and here I'm wanting to buy something. And so I'm like wrestling with, how do I do that? Put that story next to my parents every single year when they invite us down to Texas for, for um, Christmas, they say, you don't need to buy us anything. Uh, you coming is the gift. And we say, that's nice. We're still going to get you some, some stuff. Number one dad mug, and he's probably got 10 of them by now. <laughs> we still buy them stuff every single year, even though they tell us you don't need to, and th they mean it. They, they truly do mean it. But there is something inside me that says, no, I, uh, in order for this to be a real Christmas, socially acceptable, I have to show up with stuff, with presents. If we go underneath the tree and there's one gift for each person, like that's going to feel weird because every other Christmas there was like 10 for each person. So this series is really difficult because it's, causing, it's calling me to change and it feels like I'm not allowed to. And yet, it is, it is like shaping us. I don't know what the Spirit is doing on you this series, and it may not look like that you're, you're going to give 10, you're, you're going to do two gifts instead of 10 this year. It may not look like that, but it might look like something. Allow the Spirit to nudge you and move you and be open to that. So when we talk about gifts and giving, the Magi are naturally a story that we're going to lean on. Who are the Magi? They are these non-Jewish people. These are pagans coming from a distant land. These are people who serve kings. This is like their role in society. They serve kings. And yet they make this incredible journey to come to see a baby born in a barn. They are used to royalty, and they're coming to poverty. One of the things that's really fascinating is that they are looking for answers in the stars. They are looking up to heavens, to, under, to reading like the star charts, to go, we are looking for answers of where is heaven, and yet they discover that heaven has come down to earth. How powerful is this? One of the things that's really fascinating is that when they are following the star, this is for multiple years, they're following the star, 
Then they arrive, you know, this, in every movie, they have the star like pointing to a specific spot. I just, I don't know if that's true, but if you've looked at the stars, it's kind of like a very general area. <laughs> so the Magi are following this bright star to a general area, and, and here they come upon a giant city, Jerusalem. Well, that makes sense. This is where the baby is to be born. Where is, uh, so then they approach King Herod, because they've just read about the, the, this Jewish king who's come to save. Herod, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw this star when it rose, and uh, we have come to worship him. And Herod goes, what are you talking about? He didn't have any babies recently. He doesn't, he's the king. He's not trying to give, trying to give his reign over to somebody else. The Magi have accidentally showed up to the wrong place because when they look for a king, they look in the city. These are people who are used to kings and they show up in a place that's on accident the wrong spot. Later, the star reveals where they are to go, and they are to go to the smallest town on the outskirts of the city to see a baby born in a stable next to like animals and stuff. So when they saw the star, when they, were, when they were finally able to, to make it to Bethlehem, when they saw the star and they saw the baby, they were overjoyed. We don't get a description the same way that we do of Mary, that the angel showed up to her and she expressed this joy. We don't get to see the same thing of what's happening to the Magi. We don't get to see their heart transformation. They just embarked on a two-year journey to find this baby. Why? It doesn't tell us why, but it is clear when you put the actions together that God was shaping them in a significant way that they said, we worship kings, we are looking for something bigger, we are looking for something greater, and here it is discovered. The magi are people who are known to be oppressors of the one true God. These are people who use like their magical talents to show we are gods. There is no singular God. And here you have those people finding baby Jesus as king. What's really, really exciting about this is that God doesn't, doesn't, use, doesn't uh, say astrology is where I am. This is where the, what the Magi are using, reading of the stars. He doesn't say, I'm in astrology. But he does show up there, demonstrating that he meets people where they are. And then he draws them where? To himself. He draws us to, to him. One of the things that's like, I was just noticing this when, I, when we were singing, is that the stained glass up here, the, the A and that O-looking character, the A is alpha, the O is omega, the beginning and the end of the alphabet, that the, the sides are opposites of each other, and in the middle is Jesus. So on the left side, we have the, Jesus being born into life, and the exact opposite edge is him in the garden uh, praying as he's about to die. Both are gifts he is giving. He is choosing to be born into this world, and then when he goes to the garden, he is choosing to move into death. You cannot take my life from me. I give it over 
of my own free will. Wow, I never saw that before. I, I don't know what the uh, bottom left, that like Aladdin lamp and the thing on the right is, uh, but th the other pieces are opposites of each other. So maybe we can like learn about what those two pieces are together. One of the really cool things about Matthew is that I have typically, and maybe you have done this as well, typically read the story of Matthew as an account. Like this is the story of how it happened. And instead, Matthew puts the story together in a way that is powerful so that what is being said is just as important as how it's being said. In the beginning of Matthew is a genealogy of Jesus pointing to that Jesus is coming from the line of King David. If you are coming from the line of a king, this means that you are the king. Then the second story is the magi. People who serve kings are coming to a king. And in the midst of this, you have King Herod next door to King Jesus. And they could not be farther from each other. And Matthew tells us this in order for us to understand that King Jesus is far greater and truer than any other king could be. Look at the opposites here. King Herod is powerful. He is the ruler of Jerusalem. He is known. The Magi went to him on accident first. He is in the center of the city, politically gifted and wealthy. Jesus shows us that he is the opposite of these things. And the fascinating part is he chooses it. This is the God of the universe dwelling amongst us. And he says, I will take the most humble position. Jesus is born as a baby. If you've ever held a baby, you know that they're fragile. You know that they're vulnerable. He is unknown. He is born in a place that is like mistaken and forgotten. He's on the outskirts of town, politically threatened. Later on in the story, it's like a Half a chapter later, Herod is threatened by Jesus, Jesus' birth, and he says, kill everybody, every boy, two years and younger. This is a, a decree coming from the center of the city. Kill everybody as, a, an, as an attempt to wipe out the king. And he is poor. Obviously, born in a barn, you're very, very poor. That Jesus is the opposite of King Herod. Why, why does this matter to, to Matthew? Why is he telling us the story this way? His audience are Jewish people who say, we are God's people. It is us. And the way that Matthew tells the story is, uh, let me point to you who is coming to Jesus first. Magi, outsiders, and shepherds, wanderers. And yet these are the people who are first invited to see Jesus. What does this mean about our God? Everybody is ushered to him. If you have, if you're going home for Christmas and you've got some weird family members that believe something or think something that you don't think, it is easy to go, good luck. Good luck with that. And you, you do this stiff arm move, good luck. But instead, God is saying, do you see the image of God on them the way that I have placed it on you? That the image of God rests on all of us and, and like pick a yard sign that you radically disagree with and the image of God rests on that family who live there. That is so difficult and so challenging because it means I, get, I have to be invitational 
And yet when I am, it changes my heart. And that is what God is calling us into, a changed heart. When the, the Magi end up leaving, uh, no, when Herod ends up finding out about Jesus, when King Herod uh, heard that he was, when King, when King Herod heard this, talking about Jesus being king, and they were going to go visit the baby, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Why? Because he was being threatened. When I'm talking about what it means to be invitational, it is scary because it means I might have to, to stop being king of my life. And I might have to let King Jesus be the king of my life. That is so hard because it invites me into what I believe uncomfortability. And Jesus says, guess what? I didn't call you to comfort. I didn't call you to comfort. I called you to hope and love and joy. Jesus' life is in constant pursuit of the human heart. And what we read throughout the Bible is that the Pharisees are in constant pursuit of behavior management. So much easier, so much less fulfilling. And what Jesus offers throughout his entire life and his entire ministry is that he is taking care of the outskirts. King Herod is supposed to be the one taking care of the widow and the leper and the people living on the outside of town, the people who are being pushed away, and instead he oppresses them. Jesus' ministry, think of a miracle. It is for people who are forgotten. That is the kingdom that he is ushering in. Then it leads him, his generous, his generous life leads him to his death. As the Pharisees say, we cannot take it anymore, it's too threatening, and they put him to death. And he says, you cannot take my life from me, but I give it up freely. A gift for us. The death, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is just the greatest personification of love and peace given to us, free gift, that wherever we go, we bring that gift with us. It totally changes your nativity scene when you see the Magi, outsiders, Joseph, who is from the line of King David, and look how far the king line has come down that this regular dude, like if you're, if you're the son of the king, you're not giving birth to a son in a stable. That's just not what happens to the sons of kings. Look at Joseph. He is so humbled. The line of King David is so low. Mary, servant girl, yet giving birth to a king. And then shepherds, wandering travelers, are the first to come greet Jesus. This is a hodgepodge manger scene. And yet we put it on display every single year. What a great reminder that our God ushers in everybody to himself. One of the things that happens when Jesus enters into our life is that our own competing voices melt away. His gentleness replaces our own harsh critic. His grace is greater than our past, and his restoration heals wounds that you might not ever experience justice for here on earth. And this is the God that, is, that we are being called to, that we then get to give to others. This is my invitation to you when it comes to Collective Chicago. We have 
the ability to give out Jesus in many, many, many ways. The one that we are focusing on is around gifts, like, like physical gifts. Will you join us in giving these gifts and showing who Jesus is to men who just express hope that they never thought they could have? Will you join us in offering hope? 